All right. Welcome back to another episode of Real Talk Michigan Edition. It's Jeff. Dan, how are you, sir? Fantastic, sir. How are you? Good, man. Good. Um, feels great to get W's in November. Uh, feels even better when we were there. Yeah. Well, uh, we, you know, we told the, the, the listeners last week we'd be heading to this game. Figured we'd spend a good portion kind of recapping the weekend, you know, the, the ups, the downs. Um, talk a little bit about Harbaugh's suspension. Uh, obviously talk the game itself. And then we'll talk uh, some other college football around the, the landscape. Talk a little Maryland and go from there. What do you think? Let's do it. So let's take it back to the beginning. Uh, tell me about your experience heading to Happy Valley State College for the very first time with uh, with your buddies. Yeah, it's great, man. Obviously, we've talked about doing one road game a year, starting with stuff that's in driving distance, and then you know, years down the road, maybe you know, do a do a flight somewhere. But <clears throat> yeah, five and a half hour drive from my house. I rounded you all up in the in the pickup and headed down there and. We originally had a hotel set up for the four of us, and then uh, my friend Kenny got uh, tickets to the same game, four tickets to the same game um, uh, from his dad. And so then one spot opened up on our end, we filled it, and then he had uh, um, the uh, seats on his end that he closed up, and then we decided, you know what, instead of staying in a hotel, why don't we get an Airbnb, which is what we did. And we got a nice little farmhouse in the middle of uh, nowhere, kind of off the side of a mountain uh, in Pennsylvania, which was a gorgeous location. It was a refurnished house from top to bottom. And, uh, you know, four bedrooms, three and a half baths. We kind of made it our own. No TVs, though. That was a nice surprise. <laughs> um, no TVs. So the first night, it was nothing but beer pong after a beer pong game. And then... Uh, Got up bright and early, headed to State College. Um, we can delve into it a little bit, but like uh, after uh, what what you uh, what you delve into, but like I mean, it was smooth in and out. I mean, fans were great, both Michigan and Penn State. Um, no riff raff, very very clean, very just a just a gorgeous landscape outside and around the stadium. Um, I mean, it's perfect. I mean, it, winning obviously helps do all that. You know, we found out on the way there that Jim Harbaugh wasn't going to be there the next day. There was rumors that he might be able to wiggle his way out of it to be on the sidelines. That didn't happen. Um, you know, Sean Moore did his thing, and, you know, Michigan just kept running the ball. And in one of the most hostile environments in college football, they pull out a W. So, um, yeah, man, got back to the house. Washed up, went to go to the one of the recommended bars, ate some grub, went back, crashed, called it a night, and then uh, by 1.30 the next day on Sunday, we were we were all home, so it worked out. Yeah. Um, do you remember when you bought these tickets? Uh, I think I bought them back in, like, shoot, I want to say July, June, July. Yeah, it's been a while. Um, yeah. So obviously this has been a long time coming. This trip was kind of like the much anticipated game that we knew we were going to all year. Uh, you know, going into the season, we always kind of talk like, yeah, we're going to tailgate the opener or tailgate the first night game, kind of whatever comes first. Or, you know, you'll usually go to a game. I'll go to a game here or there. And sometimes we go together. But 
Uh, this was kind of one that we had stapled out. We knew ahead of time, and it was very much anticipated that both teams were going to be either undefeated or highly ranked or one loss or less. You know, this was this was a big-time matchup. So I thought it was also kind of nice that we knew ahead of time, though it would have been crazy to be at a whiteout. We knew it was going to be a noon game. We knew it was going to be a stripe out. These were things that were kind of announced a couple months back. So we were pretty, uh, pretty hyped about it. And obviously the road trip there, you know, just a couple of guys, you know, on the turnpike driving through Ohio into Pennsylvania. And, you know, we get the news that like, uh, I was kind of breaking the news to you as you were driving. I'm like, dude, here's the, here's the update. Here's the update. Yeah. And then finally it's like, Oh shit. This dude actually just got suspended for real. So that that was like when we were like 15 minutes away from the house, we were literally right about to get to the house. And it's like, Oh, this is, this is bad news. Well, as we're getting to the house, all of a sudden that's kind of coincidentally also when Michigan's plane was landing yeah. And you just see a streamline of tweets bet. And at that moment, you know, obviously, I don't know how you felt, but for me, it's like, oh, yeah, this is this team. <clears throat> 2021, this team's different. 2022, this team's the same. 2023, this team's different again. They just have a different vibe about them. And for me, it was like, let's go. Let's go. And then all the other Michigan people are getting involved. Michigan Twitter accounts are getting involved. Tom Brady's getting involved. Dave Portnoy's getting involved. Everybody that's a Michigan fan on Facebook and Twitter and Instagram, they're getting involved. And it's like, we're this is hype. This is hype. Yeah. So obviously the house, you know, we get to the Airbnb like you alluded to. And the first thing we notice is just the absolute gorgeous landscape right off the side of a 3,000 foot mountain. And, uh, you know, we're, we're kind of looking at the landscape, you know, the, the, the beautiful patio out back. So finally, we, we get into this house. We're ready to go. We get to the first floor, the second floor, the third floor. And I'm the first one to point out. I'm like, boys, there's not a TV. <laughs> like, this is going to be weird. Um, yeah, gorgeous house. Turned out to be an absolute perfect weekend venue for what ended up being mostly six guys, kind of seven <laughs> story for another day. Um, yeah, dude, hell of a, hell of a weekend. As far as the, uh, the tailgate, you know, I didn't know what to expect. I honestly thought we'd see so many more Michigan fans and we parked in a kind of a, a unique lot where a season ticket holder kind of gave us the pass. Yeah. So maybe that's why there weren't as many Michigan fans in our lot, so to speak. But we were like the sole Michigan people in our area. It was all Penn State. The people that, that parked directly next to us, as you know, um, obviously alcohol brings out the best and worst in people. In this case, it was the best, and they were super nice to us. Ended up being uh, overly friendly in a lot of ways. And, yeah. Um, yeah. you know, had we been Penn State fans, we might have been tailgate buddies the rest of the time. But overall – 10 out of 10 experience Yeah, getting the stadium for the first time, except having to pee so incredibly bad, soaking it all in, getting the flyover. Um, it was awesome. It was just like, it was just a perfect, perfect venue. Uh, it was way louder than I thought it would be. That first third down was yeah. just wild. You know, JJ's yeah. literally got his back. 
to the student section and they are just going nuts. Yeah. Yeah, I thought uh, it's once in a lifetime. You know, I don't know how many times I'll ever end up going to Happy Valley. You know, maybe someday if my son shows even half the interest that I have in Michigan football, I'd go again. Yeah. Um, but it was cool to soak that in with you guys. I thought we had a great time. I thought nothing really went bad, at least on our end at all. Um, yeah, it's always an eventful group, but I thought I had a great time. Yeah, it was it was a good time. Like, um, you know, if you're listening to this podcast, more more chances of not that you've been to, uh, you know, the golf course at Tailgate in Ann Arbor. Um, and we all know that when you go to Ann Arbor, I love that town with all my heart. But there's some freaking slobs on that golf course when we tailgate. There's broken down canopies, grills that got destroyed that are left behind. I mean, it looks like Woodstock 99. It's like a disaster area. It's a, I mean, whoever cleans that up, I feel horrible for because, you know, it's just, it's just, it's just trash. With Penn State, by every bathroom was like these industrial-sized rolls of, here, this one's for aluminum cans. Here's this one's for your trash. Just leave it by your tailgate. Printed right on there. And when we got off the freeway, I don't know if it was a stroke of luck, but we got off the freeway. We were in lot 32. It said so on our on our pass. And there were signs literally everywhere, like 31, 32 here, 28 through 29 there. Everything was super organized. It took literally less than five minutes to get the canopy up. And then we park. Everyone's all the all the employees there like, hey, good morning. Good luck at the game. Good morning. Blah, blah, blah. Have a nice time. And then uh, we wait 45 minutes after the game for more people of our group to show up because they're still inside a stadium. We wait for the trap to die down. And then five minutes, we're back on the freeway again. So, like, again, I don't know if it's a stroke of luck, but it just worked out in our favor. And like you said, you know, the Penn State fans next to us were a little looped up like we were. But, you know, that's, you know, no riffraff. That's what makes it even more enjoyable is you don't have to worry about people trying to start something. And um, even though we were by a little rowdy bunch of other Michigan fans behind us that were on the br- on the brink of maybe – you know, getting in some riffraff, but we, we steered clear and we, we still had a good time. But yeah, man, it's, uh, I mean, I want to say a 10 out of 10. It could be damn near close to 10 out of 10 experience, but just because I just didn't have any issues with it. The weather was perfect. I brought my overalls, my bibs, and I mean, I kept them on, but I shed the under armor. I shed the under long sleeve because, I mean, it's just a gorgeous day, man. Couldn't ask for anything better on, on Veterans Weekend. Yeah, yeah. I thought, uh, you know, 2017 Indiana, you go into that game. We just, we almost know we're going to win. Now, mind you, that one went into overtime, weirdly enough. Yeah. Uh, which ended up being a great game for us. This game went down to the wire, too. It was a, uh, a one score game with four minutes to go. And unfortunately, you know, we'll, we'll talk about the game here now. I, I thought that Michigan had a very unique game plan. They came out, they started the game seven of eight passing for 60 yards with JJ and then proceeded to run the ball 32 straight times to close the game. Uh, it worked, obviously. You know, we're in, we're in good moods here, but I thought it was interesting. Uh, I've heard a couple different people's takes on it. Uh, you know, the, the Michigan rumor is that Sharon Moore decided we're able to beat them with just running it, and we want J.J. to break Jim Harbaugh's passing record in front of him. I heard that. 
Uh, Colin Cowherd makes the point. He's like, I think Jim Harbaugh literally told Sharon Moore, once you feel comfortable, I want you to run the ball every down. I want this to be an annoying product for Fox. I want them to be annoyed by this. Um, I don't know what to really think about it. All I know is when you're able to be as one-dimensional as Michigan was and still completely control the game, you got to feel really good about yourself. In that sort of environment, I never thought the game was in jeopardy. Obviously, Michigan, the first two drives, I want to say, was kind of a little scary just because I think the first drive they went three and out. Maybe the second drive, they might have went – I don't think they scored in the second drive, did they? I don't quite remember. Uh, Give me a second. The first drive, they didn't do anything. They were sacked, and the crowd's wild. The second drive, they may have scored, but – and after they scored the first touchdown, they scored the second one almost immediately. So it's 14 to three in the first quarter. At that point, I'm like, okay, we're winning this game. Like it, it was just, it felt that way. Yeah. So, so it, it, it ended up going the first drive, five, five plays punt, second drive, three plays punt. And then the third drive, nine plays, 75 yards touchdown. Yeah. And so then, the first two drives, I was a little nervous. I'm like, oh, okay, this might actually be a problem today. And then I made that one comment on that one drive. They end up only getting a field goal, but they go 13 plays, 45 yards, and eight minutes off the clock. Like, that was that was absurd. Like, I think it was, like, eight minutes to go in the third quarter, and I'm like, dude, they're going to bring this down all the way to about the five-minute mark. And then it was below the five-minute mark. I was like, holy Christ. Yeah, but, you, did, you had made the comment. You're like, I'm hoping to take it to here. They took yeah. off, like, an additional four minutes. Yeah. Yeah, it was crazy. Yeah, but, you know, regarding the game, you know, <clears throat> seven of eight for passing. So, in the first half, when they did pass the ball, I mean, it, obviously, they only completed seven of them. But, like, it wasn't like it was bad. I mean, he hit Cornelius Johnson on an out route, hit, you know, A.J. Barner for a, a third down conversion. Um, you know, so they didn't, like, target Roman Wilson or anything like that. But, like, they, I mean, they did what they had to do. And, you know, my my theory about the whole thing is, is, Manny Diaz was being a little smart ass bitch uh, with the whole third down get loud thing that we trolled with him on, on social media. Um, you know, James Franklin is obviously a, uh, I don't want I want the word I want to say I don't want to say on here uh, on here get in trouble, but uh, I just say douche. And so I think it was just the middle finger to him, like you guys are gonna run your mouth, you know, rightfully so, but you know try to stop us so they want full nuclear on them like they did with washington in 2021 where they just ran the ball a bajillion times and kate mcnamara was basically a ball boy but you know it is what it is it, you know it worked it was kind of annoying watching it at times but you know again i just think it was a middle finger to manny diaz and james franklin at the end of the day and you know when john edwards finally looked like him his old self again and he broke the tackle for the touchdown that amped us up. And then when Blake Corum put the nail in the coffin at the end there with that 30 yarder, I was, oh man, that just, just such a relief because when Donovan Edwards scored, or yeah, it was, I want to say it was that score, Penn State fans started to file out. And then you could, I could see them kind of lingering on the, on the, um, on the concourse when Michigan punted the ball the next drive. And then Drew Aller and them came up empty. And then Michigan got the ball back, and then Blake, when Blake Holmes scored, then they were like, "All right, now we're out of here for good." So it was uh, it was a good feeling. 
Yeah, you know, uh, Michigan ends up taking care of business 24 to 15. Yeah, yeah, 24-15. Uh, Blake goes for 145 yards, two touchdowns. Donnie goes for 52 and a touchdown. Both of them averaged over five yards a carry, which was massive. Uh, I thought it was great that Drew Atler, 10 of 22 for 70 yards. Michigan's defense, when asked to this year, has been absolutely smothering. And you got to feel really good heading into these last two weeks, with or without Coach Harbaugh, if that's how it ends up being. Uh, I do want to talk briefly about some things that I heard some other talk shows talking about, and it's an interesting topic. J.J., who going into this game was the betting odds favorite to win the Heisman, goes 7 of 8 for 60 yards, as I just said. No touchdowns. I think he adds another 30 on the ground but doesn't score. This hurts, helps, does not matter to his Heisman campaign. It can't really help. I don't think it helps. I think uh, if he he goes nuclear against Maryland and Ohio State, this is just a blip on the radar. But if he goes out and he does, you know, I would say average JJ because average JJ is pretty damn good. But, like, uh, you know, if he goes out and and does this – thing where he's how he's been playing all year the next two games i think he's right back into the conversation i think he's at least a finalist if that happens he goes out and throws at least three touchdowns versus maryland and you know two um and gets one maybe on the ground versus ohio state then i think he's right in the thick of it but this game didn't help him but i mean let's be honest jj mccarthy is the type of kid who gives two shits about a heisman trophy and he just wants to win the national championship so um I think that the Heisman would just be an added bonus. And to me, it doesn't really matter to him. But, I mean, we can definitely talk about it. But I think it uh, it definitely didn't help. Yeah. Um, Yeah, I uh, I think this is obviously a great win for Michigan. Anybody that's alluding to Penn State being bad with their only two losses to Michigan, Ohio State, I'm not going to entertain that. But it does beg the question. We talked about this on the, actually on the way. I want to say on the way to the game. Penn State's kind of always just the runner up. Bridesmaid never a bride type deal. Uh, I do, and I, I've said this to a couple different people earlier in the season, specifically around when they were playing Ohio State. Like this isn't exactly Penn State's year. Next year's kind of their year. Um, where everybody's even a year older. They're going to have a ton of juniors, a still a very good defense, which is part of the reason I think uh, Michigan ran it so much is because they just didn't want the pass rushers to maybe injure JJ. It just wasn't worth it to them. Right. But uh, what do you think about Penn State and kind of where they're at right now? Yeah, they're just – they're in the East. And, you know, yeah, they uh, they're literally – and I'm not at all trying to sound, you know, arrogant or anything, but like they're literally the the Robin to Michigan's Batman. They're like they're trying to meet Michigan. They, you know, try to build a foundation on defense, and then they're going to try to be able to establish a running game. Obviously, Nicholas Singleton, Katron Allen, Katron Allen is an absolute load, and then you got you know Drew Aller, who is five, like a highly touted quarterback. That's just they're just, you know, they use it a lot as their tight ends. They mix in the wide receivers. It's just like another Michigan, but, you know, 
James Franklin is a hell of a recruiter. He just, when it comes to games, there's just something about it where he just, uh, he does the little things wrong. Like sometimes his decisions are highly criticized. Like in this game, he go, tries to go for two points early. And, you know, whether it matters then or later in the long run, you know, people are going to criticize it because it didn't work. Um, and, you know, in 2021, when Michigan was at Happy Valley, you know, he tries to fake a field goal and it blows up in his face. So, you know, it is what it is. But, you know, I I just uh, I think he's kind of a clown. But, uh, you know, it, he's he's definitely going to have a, a chance at it next year. The last time these guys uh, got the Big Ten Championship, I believe it was in 2016. So, you know, um, every few years when, when the timing's right, these guys will compete now. With the divisions going away after the season, well, who knows where these guys are? Who knows where these guys will be? They might be competing uh, past Michigan because Michigan's gonna be losing a lot of uh, people to attrition unless they get the transfer portal working. So, time will tell, I guess. Uh, anything more? Can we w- move on to win, lose, improve? Um, all I will have to say, maybe I'll just say that back to the whole the stadium experience thing Penn State does it right fan wise um, again back to the whole thing with me nitpicking about the about the cleanliness and everything like there's a sort of effort to the home field advantage the student section I didn't realize was that massive because I only watched it on the TV obviously that whole student section has a whole one end zone um, the, and they're closer to the field Yes, the stripe out, super organized. You get the email. I got the email. It tells you what section, which each one is supposed to wear. If you don't have it, either color, they'll provide it for you or give you the link to buy something. Like, there's just such a there's such a, a, an all-in buy-in from the fans to do it. You know, you go to Michigan Stadium, and we've talked about it before. The old fogies are starting to get weeded out, and it's starting to get more loud there and rowdy, but you know, I've been almost thrown out of Michigan Stadium numerous times from standing up, for being too loud. You know, I don't ever, like, swear or anything around kids, but it's like people have looked around at me like old people and they're like, you know, hey, sit down, shut up. It's like, you know, we're in a college football game, you know, the big house is supposed to be uh, an unfriendly visit to the, the away team. And if we have, uh, you know, if you can hear a pin drop in the stadium, what good is it? You know, so... 110,000 fans uh, in, in Happy Valley. That was, was a hell of a time. Yeah. Yeah, I just think that, like, I mean, kind of goes back to the third place thing, but they kind of have to do that. Mm-hmm. That is kind of their MO. You know, uh, what was the – was it four and a half or six and a half the spread? Wasn't it four and a half? I almost said four and a half. I think it was four and a half. And I kind of looked at that spread and thought that's kind of disrespectful. But then I thought to myself – Maybe they think Michigan's a seven and a half point favorite normally, but this whiteout's good for three points. You know what I mean? Like that, that may be their thought process. And truthfully, they're not wrong. I mean, this was Michigan's low scoring output of the game of the season. Now, mind you, they played a completely different style of football, but um, I was taken back of how loud it was. And like you said, the buy-in, Everybody there is bought in to you're in this section, you're wearing white. Yep. You're in this section, you're wearing blue. 
And it's uh, it, first off, it makes for a hell of a visual. Yeah. yeah. Especially like where our seats were and how I was like, wow, like it, it was just such a visual. But ultimately, it creates a crazy environment too. Um, how we improve. For me, it, it, while it was one dimensional, I'm sorry, how we win. My apologies. How we win. While it was one dimensional, having that run game look as, dom- as it, dominant as it had, was, mm-hmm. that was kind of the first. It's been like that since the end of last season. Yeah. Okay. And again, while it was one dimensional, it was just like, okay, we can do this again. Cause I didn't know if they, if when they needed to turn it on, if they were going to be able to, I didn't know if we had kind of slowly moved into being passing team. Honestly, I wasn't quite sure because Blake hadn't really shown too many bursts this year. Yeah. I think if I think about it, I think he only had like one or two bursts all year and he had two in this game. Yeah. So and, you know, as the guy behind us kept screaming, I agree with him. Don's a big game player. It seems like anytime it's a big game, he his his light shines brighter. And he had a broken tackle and got loose on two different carries, one for like 12, but the other one for like 25 to 30-yard touchdown. So yeah, um, Don was huge in this game. And the run game was huge. What about you? Yeah. Uh, for me, it was the Michigan defense just putting the clamps down on on uh, Keandre Lambert Smith, Penn State's go-to wide receiver. Like uh, Cephas, the other wide receiver, he, I think he had like one catch. But you know, Will Johnson got called for a, a pass interference penalty that was quite bogus in my opinion. But the defense did its job. After Michigan does that eight-minute drive, you know, the defense holds Penn State to three punts, uh, three. Uh, yeah, three punts in a row and then a uh, turnover on downs. So defense stepped up big. The, really the only time that the, um, that they bent at, at all was, one, the garbage time touchdown, which I don't really care for. But, like, the one fourth down conversion that Penn State got where it was kind of a trick play. And then, um, like, maybe one play where Draller had to step up and, and scramble up the middle, whatever. But. Other than those, like, one-two plays, man, Michigan's defense was in lockdown mode, and this was the number two scoring offense in the Big Ten right behind Michigan uh, going into this one. So, you know, you go on the road, and no matter what rival fan base shits on Penn State, all of a sudden, now, forward's a good, great win. Now it's, oh, Penn State's not that good. Okay, well, this offense, again, was the number two in the uh, two in the Big Ten. Um, and you go into their town, and you hold them to 15 points. So, um, yeah, let that take him. Uh, how we lose. And again, this team has been damn near flawless this year, but, uh, mine kind of has like a little bit of an asterisk next to it. No pun intended, but when you go one dimensional, for me, there has to be a reason behind it. Yeah. Because if there is no reason behind it, that's how we lose. Becoming too one-dimensional, just assuming, A, somebody can't do something, or B, we can do something. We can beat you with just a run. Or we can't beat you doing this. Or Becoming one-dimensional is definitely how you would lose. Um, But that would obviously be only if 
there wasn't some premeditated notion behind it. If they truly did it to kind of middle finger the Big Ten or middle finger uh, James Franklin or literally just to, like, save face for whatever the reason is, I'm cool with it. But if it was simply game plan related, yeah, I don't like it, don't like it at all. Yeah, mine was, again, just outside of a few plays. Like, they they – they let Penn, uh, Penn State get a couple uh, fourth down conversions, um, some key third down th- moments. It was just a lot of bend but don't break, and it was just kind of um, what would ultimately demoralize Penn State even more. They just couldn't couldn't quite get the clamps in all the way until the game went on. But like, I mean, I'm just kind of nitpicking here, but. You know, Michigan had more success stopping uh, Nicholas Singleton than Katron Allen. Katron Allen had uh, um, one de- one or two decent runs, and one of them that uh, Kenneth Grant had to chase him down on. But, uh, you know, outside of just a few moments, again, you know, Michigan's defense is okay, but, you know, you you probably you probably let them you probably let them on a little bit too long, but it is what it is. Yeah, for me, as far as the improve goes, it doesn't have a ton to do with the physical game itself, more or less the uh, the team and the locker room. But every season I see this Michigan team take another another wrinkle, another step towards building what is now becoming championship culture. You know, 2021, it was kind of like get the monkey off your back, kind of step up to the bully, uh, happy to be here type style. But, you know, kind of like have to outwork the the room in order to kind of get back to where we need to be. That was kind of the mentality. You know, Aiden Hutchinson, ring me out every day at the weight room type deal. And then 2022, it's like now we kind of want revenge. Like we kind of did what we wanted to do. We beat Ohio State, but we didn't beat Michigan State. We didn't get, you know, the playoff win like we wanted. And that was mostly done. They beat Michigan State. They beat Ohio State. They rewon the Big Ten again for two years in a row, but didn't have the the same the same success in the playoffs. This year it just feels like it just feels different again. And the way that this team operates, you know, everybody kind of knows their role. There are so few, so few, not just quarterbacks, players that would single-handedly sacrifice their individual success for the good of the team. J.J. basically not throwing another pass after eight minutes to go in the second quarter or whatever it ended up being. That's a testament to what this team's goals are. Yeah. Championship football through hell or high water, suspend our coach three games or six games, whatever it ends up being. Bet. You know? So um, how we improve, continuously building this championship culture every single day, working towards the ultimate goal, and that's to host the national championship. Yeah, I'm I'm really kind of the same way. Um, you know, these this culture at least I mean, these rivals can, you know, bring up the the, the counter stallions thing all day and Jim New, blah blah blah. But like this culture though, with 
this bond that the players have with the coaching staff is just something that you don't see it enough in a lot of other programs or that it just isn't uh, highlighted um, uh, at all. But like, you know, Troll Moore's po- emotional post game on the field, you know, of course, the Sparties and Buckeyes are, are making fun of them and, and a lot of other people are too. Um, but you know what? You know, you can think that Jim Harbaugh is a victim or you can think he, he isn't a victim, but it doesn't matter. Sharon Moore looks up to Jim Harbaugh. He loves his players. Both these guys do. And they're going to go out and in their minds, they're going to face adversity. They're without their head coach. They're without their boss. And Sharon Moore went out there the night before the game to find out he's going to be leading the charge. And he goes in and he, again, wins in one of the most hostile environments in the country and beats the number the number 10 team in the country. So, I mean, if you really want to take that away and, and to nitpick it and, and, uh, and uh, you know, cast it aside, to me, I just, I think that's unfair. Um, I, I loved it. The tears, I loved it. The, the expletives, who cares? I, I love the, I love the passion, I love the emotion. I'd rather see that than, you know, some somebody else just you know kind of like giving one word answers you know and and um you know i know jim harbaugh likes to pass everything and give everything off the credit of his players and shromore did the same thing but you know shromore is is happy for for his guys and he's not afraid to show uh jim that it was his appreciation so i really thought that was great and uh yeah pretty 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 uh monumental task to do and, and he did it yeah, the one thing that uh, kind of stood out to me, too. So one of the signs of just a great, a well-coached football team, a great program, whatever you want to say. So you're a father of two children. There's going to come a day where you are going to allow your two children to stay home alone. You know, your oldest child you'll allow them to potentially babysit your younger child. And you would hope that the responsibility, the maturities that you instill in your child, that when you come home, the house isn't absolutely destroyed. They didn't throw a rager. You know what I mean? That doesn't mean they don't still need you as a parent just because they were responsible. You came back, everything was exactly how you expected it. And it's like, wow, I'm doing this parent thing okay. There, it is a testament to Jim Harbaugh that this team's 4-0 without him. And to be honest, they haven't struggled. Right. I would make the argument they didn't even struggle in this game. They fully control it the entire way. So that doesn't mean we don't need Coach Harbaugh. All these people that are like, oh, they don't even need Harbaugh. I'm like, I literally heard two different people here say that. I'm like, that's a wild take. That's a wild take. Yeah. Like, oh, just fire him. They don't need him. Okay. <laughs> okay, whatever. Whatever. You don't realize how good you have it until it's gone. I've realized yeah. that with Tom Brady, okay? Michigan fans, we've seen it with drop from Lloyd Carr to Rich Rod to Brady Hoke. Congrats on retirement, Brady Hoke. And now coming into Jim Harbaugh, it's like, this was a slow burn. This fire didn't just go ablaze overnight, Okay whether you believe cheating caused this success or whatever you believe. I believe that they built a culture and they've worked towards improving every single day 
over the last three years and it's come into be what I believe to be a championship culture. But uh, anything else on Michigan State, Penn State, it's probably the most we've spent on any game this year, but obviously we attended it. It was an absolutely incredible time. Great experience. Can't wait to ever go back and uh, can't wait to do another road game next year. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, ready to move on? Let's do it. Let's talk about, talk about games, other games around the country. So, uh, while we were at Champ Sports Bar, a um, couple of games were on, and two of Michigan's rivals were on playing each other in Columbus. Michigan State at Ohio State. Ohio State wins 38-3. to Kind of got up on Sparty early and kind of coasted in the second half. Kyle McCord throws three touchdowns. Maserati Marv catches two of them. Um Michigan State kind of down in the dumps right now, three and seven, one and six in the Big Ten. Ohio State goes and plays uh, Minnesota this weekend, so one more before the big one next week. What do you think about uh, where Ohio State's at in this game here? Uh, I do think they kind of took advantage of the moment and the opportunity that they're no idiots. They seen that JJ was seven of eight for sixty yards, and they're like, you know what? There's no clear-cut Heisman this year. We have an opportunity to get Marv's stats. They threw him two early touchdowns. They let him rush in another for three total on the day. Uh, I think Marvin Harrison has an incredible opportunity to secure the Heisman if they can beat Michigan in two weeks. I do believe that. Um, It's going to take that, though, because if they don't, you might as well forget that. But he's been their best player by a mile. Uh, I do have an interesting take on the Michigan-Ohio State game that I'll save until we do our preview. But I, uh, I'm, I'm excited to share that. But, yeah, Michigan State is a absolute – dumpster fire would – dumpster fire is not the right word because dumpster fires are controlled to one area. Yeah. <laughs> this is an absolute, like, earthquake. That or like a hurricane that's just destroying the state. Like it, you, it's so bad right now. And I, the rumor's been out there for a while. Urban Meyer to Michigan State. I think there's oh, like a zero percent chance. I think there's less than zero percent. It's more likely he goes to Texas A&M at this point after the firing of Jimbo Fisher. It's more likely that he goes back to Bowling Green than he goes to Michigan State. I just think that's completely off the table. Go ahead. No, basically all I'm saying is Michigan State has, they have more than just hiring a coach. Like this is, this needs completely rebuilt. And to be honest, it's probably not done with just a coach hire. I think this is probably a coach hire, rebuild a little bit to get back to a six, seven win team, fire that coach and then improve again. I just don't think this ends up being a, we fired a hundred million dollar coach. We're going to hire another one. That just doesn't, it doesn't feel accurate to me. Yeah. To, to think that, I mean, I know a lot of it Sparty on Twitter is kind of like satire and be like, come on, Herb, you know, but yeah. you know, there are some serious people out there that, that actually want it done. You really think that urban Meyer who, Earl Bruce, who's a former Ohio State uh, head coach after Woody Hayes, who's uh, Urban's mentor. Do you really think that Urban Meyer, ever all his time under the Ohio State flag, 
with all the hatred towards the state of Michigan, you really think that he's going to go to Michigan State? To me, it's, that is absolutely absurd. It, to me, it is so absurd. It's like when I posted on Facebook the other day when I saw the commercial of the sour cream uh, ad where the, the lady dips a strawberry in sour cream. I'm like, what, what the F am I watching right now? It'd be absolutely ridiculous to think that Urban Meyer is going to be going to Michigan State for any reason. And regarding the program, these guys, again, three wins on the year. They have, I mean, National Signing Day is only like three months away, two and a half months away. They only have nine commits. There's 76 on rivals. Like, these guys are in shambles. Like, when they had Mel Tucker during the summer, they're like, oh, man, we're going after David Stowe Jr., five-star defensive lineman. Oh, no, he, uh, you know, he's got Michigan State uh, as his AVI on Twitter. Guess what? If he's going to Oklahoma. He ain't going to fucking Michigan State. So um, they, they are they are fully a basketball, so, uh, basketball school again. But um, but anyways, let's go on and let's uh, let's make fun of another Big Ten team. So Georgia beat Penn State at home. I mean, Ole Miss at home. 52-17. Anything else for that? No, I mean, we already talked about this, you know, over the weekend. Old Miss is literally the Penn State of the Big Ten. There's a team that's always highly ranked, talked about it's being their time. They have a high-profile coach. They recruit well, and they still suck. They lose the biggest games. Uh, I think my biggest takeaway from this game is that Georgia's just way better than I thought they were. They just continue to get better every single week. And I thought they had they were able to get got this season. And it doesn't feel like that anymore. It feels like you're going to have to you have to really outplay them and outcoach them, and that's hard to do. Yeah, they uh, they ran the ball for 300 yards on Ole Miss. Kendall Milton over 14 a carry and two touchdowns. DeWan Edwards he had two touchdowns on the ground as well, and they got Brock Bowers back, the probably the nation's best tight end. So he played George, in that game, correct? What's that? He played in that game, correct? Yeah, yeah, three catches, 34 yards, and a tutty. Absolutely wild. They called that injury like six weeks, and he came back in like three. <laughs> yeah. So, so Georgia is is, uh, is warming up here at the right moment. Um, <clears throat> well, let's go to the next one. I I don't have to get into the the details, or whatever. But I mentioned last week a game I was keeping an eye on: Florida State, Miami, and about only reason why I said it was because Miami could possibly get an upset and then have a hang the banner type moment and they lose 27 20. So it was a close game till the end. Um, next is Utah at Washington, 35, 28 Washington scores 11 points in the third quarter to come back to win it. What'd you think? You know, Washington just has not been, I don't like to criticize undefeated teams, but Washington has not been the same team that beat Oregon four weeks ago. They have struggled massively on the defensive end. Their offense hasn't exactly been that great. It does seem like they're leaning more on their run game for whatever reason, which has almost been kind of taking Michael Penix out of both the Heisen race and just like the potential mock drafts that you would see. Because obviously everybody was for a minute heavily on Penix being a first rounder. And that, that talk has just completely cooled yeah. down. Yeah. Um, I do think that Washington is a threat. Yeah. But they, when they play their best, they can beat anybody. It just doesn't seem like we've seen that in so long. 
Yeah, I feel like if they if they go up against a Georgia, um, it's either going to be an absurd score because they're going to have to throw a bajillion times to keep up with Georgia, or they're just going to get their doors blown off and uh, on run defense. But you know, ten and is ten and oh, they got to go at Oregon State, which is number twelve in the country. So that they're going to be. We'll talk about the game late, maybe later, but uh, they got a tough one. Um, see, I mean, um. It's kind of irrelevant because USC is now seven and four, but Oregon beats the Trojans 36-27. Bo Nix throws for four hundred and four touchdowns. Yeah, this this game, I mean, not to toot my horn, but it was kind of what I expected. I expected it to be lower scoring than the over-under. Uh Oregon to completely control them. I did think they would win by more than what they win by eight. Yeah. I did think they win by more than eight. But I didn't think it would be like 21, 24 points. I thought it would be like 10 to 14. Uh, it just goes to show you that Caleb Williams can kind of drag this team around. But really, outside of him, they are not good. Yeah. And I have this much faith in them coming into the Big Ten next year and creating any sort of havoc with how they're currently structured. You need to not upgrade massively upgrade at the defensive end. Like better corners, better safeties, better defensive ends, better line, better everything. Hire a legit defensive coordinator. And if Caleb Williams leaves, you either need to get in the portal or you better have somebody ready to go. You know, Arch Manning would be, you know, obviously a lot of talk about Ewers coming back. That would be wild to see Arch Manning trance over there. But for me personally, it's you you gotta upgrade. You gotta get a good run game. You can't be so reliant on just the quarterback position, especially in Big Ten weather. It just they have a culture shot coming. All right, a couple more. So the next one is Texas at TCU. They won 29-26. TCU scores 24th quarter points. The Longhorns hold them off. Excuse me, and they win at a price. They lose Jonathan Brooks, their talented running back on the uh, for, for the rest of the year with a torn ACL. Yeah, Texas in the injury bug has been uh, been pretty brutal. But when they play their best, they can beat anybody, kind of like uh, kind of like Washington. I do think they have an uphill battle. Uh, one thing that Brad and I talked on on our podcast last week, it just there is one hundred percent a scenario where they went out and don't get in. It's just unfortunate, but that's the facts, you know. Um, I, you know, we'll, I, we'll probably talk about this at the end of the pod. We're in more. We need a 12-team playoff this year. We need at least an 18-team playoff this year more than ever before. There is a legit scenario where we get two undefeated teams in six one-loss teams. There, that is a scenario. I believe that's the, the best-case scenario you can get, if I'm not mistaken. But, yeah, that's all I got in Texas. They're, they're really good. All right. Uh, we'll, we'll do, we got time for one more. Um, well, I'll, I'll mention two more, and then uh, you can comment if, if you want. So the first one is – Number 14, Missouri, beats number 13, Tennessee, 36-7. to 
And it uh, looks like Joe Milton's about done up there in Knoxville. And then next was UCF, 5-5 five and five now in the year. Beats number 15, Oklahoma State, 45-3. to three. Yeah, that was, uh, that was wild. Because Oklahoma State obviously just beat Oklahoma literally the week prior. And kind of ruined Oklahoma's playoff chances. And then Oklahoma comes out and their quarterback throws five touchdowns, runs for three more. But Oklahoma State's out here getting absolutely curb stomped. It's college football is wild. It just kind of goes to show you that there's, like I just got done saying, there's about eight super elite teams, and there's probably between nine to 25. Anywhere, yeah, you rank number nine through about 25. There's some solid teams in there, but unfortunately, they just don't play championship football. All right, so uh, I'll pass it back off to you. We're getting to uh, the Terps. Yeah, I don't have a ton on Maryland. What I will say is this. Every single year, let's go back to 2021, maybe even 2020. I've been high on this team every single year, and then finally I just kind of said I'm done with them. Like, they just constantly over underachieve. Kind of the same way this year. They started 5-0, and and what are they now? 6-4? and 6-4. and four. Absolutely brutal. Absolutely brutal. And I realized one of those losses to Ohio State, but I think another one was Nebraska? Did they lose to Michigan State? They, they've lost to somebody horrible. I don't remember. I don't have it in front. Oh, Northwestern? Um, hold on. Let me pull it up real quick. So... They lost. They've but until they just beat Nebraska and Lincoln this, this last weekend. They lost four in a row to at Ohio State, Illinois, at Northwestern, Penn State at uh, yeah, and then they won at Nebraska. But, okay, so Ohio State and Penn State, those yep. are I understand those, and I would take those all day long if I'm Maryland because you just you're not quite there. There is zero excuse to lose to Illinois. And a team that we projected to barely get one win, Northwestern, has damn near as many wins as you. So um, it's kind of a tough look. I think Michigan takes care of Maryland this weekend. But tell me about Maryland. Uh, So let's see. Um, I just lost my spot. So Maryland obviously more leans in, or leans more on the uh, the passing tech with uh, Tagovola. Um, scoring offense, they're number four in the Big Ten. Scoring defense, they're middle of the pack. Rushing offense, they're almost in the, the almost dead last. Rushing defense, uh, number six, so not horrible. Pass offense, they're number two in the conference. Uh, Michigan's number four now after that. Uh, Seven of eight from J.J. McCarthy. Passing defense, Maryland is in the middle of the pack at number eight. Um, and then Michigan right now is at number one. So, um, again, Maryland's going to try, uh, try to win this through the air. Roman Hemby, they, they have a, t- a, you know, he's considered him a, a decent tailback. But he's only carried it 100, 109 times this season, which is not a lot. Um, I think their next running back, their second stringer, has been maybe carrying it 40 times. So, uh, you know, Maryland, they, they just rebounded off that four-game losing streak that we just talked about. Um, 
you know, they got Molly Watt by Penn State. Uh, and versus Penn State, they had minus 49 rushing yards. And some of that came on uh, six Penn State sacks. So with with uh, Togo dropping back a lot, trying to trying to sling it, you know, Michigan's going to have to come up and, and get him to the turf, uh, get hands in his face, make him uncomfortable. And, you know, in the uh, this past heavy team, he, the last five games, he's passed the ball anywhere between 39 to 47 times. So 39 to 47 times, Michigan's going to have to uh, either get him to the turf and sack him or uh, get him off balance. But, you know, uh, let's see. The last four times Michigan's played in College Park, they've outscored Maryland 160 to 35. Um, so, yeah, I just, again, comes down to uh, quarterback pressures. I think this is going to be probably 48-20-ish. I mean, the 2021 game when they went here last year was like 50-something 18. Uh, wouldn't be surprised if it's there either. Uh, you just dropped a shocking score to me. Uh, let's talk about the elephant in the room. This is what everybody would call a trap game or a look-ahead game. Uh, it's the game before Ohio State, the game before the game. And this one's a road one. Obviously, they struggled last year at home against Illinois. A lot of injuries played factor there. You have no worry that they go into Maryland and just lay the hammer down. I, I have no worry, and I want to say the when they went to Maryland in 2021, I believe that was the week before Ohio State, was it not? Thank you, right? Yeah, it was because Donovan Edwards had the like the 12 catches or whatever in that game. Remember? Yeah, I can look for for sure. Yeah, they blew him out in that game. Remember? I remember we were actually complaining. They ended up having a trick kickoff return play in that game. AJ Henning, yes, this was on November 20th. So this 59-18, the week before Ohio State, um, firing on all cylinders. So no, I this is the same culture of the uh, you know hyper focused. I'm not worried. Okay, yeah, I mean I agree, but it is what a lot of people would call that look ahead game, that trap game. Yeah. Uh, Taylor Taylor Lewan, I was listening to Boston with the boys. He's actually said this all year that this game was the one that scared him the absolute most because it was smack dab in the middle of the biggest two games on the, on the season where you could just completely forget about them, you know? Yeah. So, uh, I do think that Michigan does control the game. I hope they let JJ kind of recoup some of his uh, potential Heisman losses or yeah. you better start running the absolute piss out of Blake Corum to try and get him the Heisman if that's where you're at at this point. Right. Um, right. So he's obviously just a few touchdowns away from – is it Tyrone Leatley for second place and then first place is – I forget who first place is. Anthony Thomas. Anthony Thomas, yeah. I think he needs like a one or two more to pass Tyrone for, for second all time. I think he's like right there. Yeah, he's close. Yeah. He's close. Um, did – do you have, like, the newest rankings? Did they, those not come out tonight at 8? Um, you know what? Let's look at that shit real quick because, uh, yeah, it shouldn't be up by now. Hold on. Yeah, I don't see them, though. Oh, they come out at 9. They come out at 9? Yeah, that's weird. They come out at 9. 
So no big deal. I guess we can't react to them. That's not not the end of the world. Um, what games do you have for next weekend? And then we'll talk some possible playoff scenarios. Uh, uh, so uh, Bowling Green, by the way, right now is being deleted 28-10. Uh, 28-10? 28-10, and it's not even halftime. Uh, no, it is at to halftime. Yep, 28-10. Wow, Which, my, my stuff's not loaded. It said 14-7. Yeah, that was the first quarter. Jeez, 28-10. Yeah, which like, I, real quick, I can I'm bummed, man. Like Toledo and Bowling Green, that's kind of that's more local. I mean, it's about the same as you know Ohio State, Michigan, but like, I mean, this game used to be be played on Saturdays, and now they play it in the not the end of the game or not at the end of the year anymore, and they play it on a Tuesday. That to me, that bugs me. Um, yeah, you know, I have said for years. I know there's actually a few people that listen to this pod. Uh, that graduated from Toledo, big Toledo fans, um, probably even potentially at the game tonight. Shout out Jen, shout out Jeff. Uh, but I've always wanted to go to a Toledo game and a Bowling Green game. And I feel like this would be so cool. A Tuesday night, though? Yeah. Tough. It's a tough look. I'd even be cooler with like a Thursday or Friday night, you know, yeah. but. I can't get out on a Tuesday night when I got to work. I'm too old for that. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know if it was the teams were both better simultaneously in the mid 2000s with Omar Jacobs, Bruce Gradkowski, or what whatnot. But like end of the year, just like Michigan, Ohio State, like I felt like it was just it was just something to look forward to. Now being on a Tuesday, like I didn't even know the game was going on until I just looked in these scores. Yeah. But, but anyways. Uh, next big matchup, uh, Alabama hosting a tough Chattanooga 7-3. I'm just kidding. Um, let's see. Are you shocked that they're hosting Chattanooga the week before the Iron Bowl? Yeah, well, this is this is that SEC bye week that I like to joke around about that's just conveniently there. So uh, the, the, the last game of the season is, you know, like, you know, Whatever, but uh, let's see. not to be fair, it's not a bye week for everybody. Georgia's got Tennessee this weekend, right? I'm scrolling, man. There's a lot of this kind of type games. Um, you, I mean, Oklahoma's at BYU, but BYU is not the same. Number eleven, Louisville's on the road at Miami. So that's a tough game for Louisville. They're are, they're locked in the ACC title game, right? That I don't know for sure. Yeah, I don't think there's any way they get in. I believe they lost to Pittsburgh. Yeah, they're um, not in. They're definitely not going to be in. Yeah, that's a that's a tough one for them. Yeah, they're. Yeah. Oh, let's see here. Yeah, Tennessee and Georgia, two versus number thirteen. You know, um, I don't. I know Bama's already locked their bid in for the SEC championship. I'm not sure about Georgia yet, though. Who is JMU? Is that James Madison? Yes. What's their – they're hosting Appalachian State this weekend? Correct. That's where college game day's at. Is it really? Yeah. That's interesting. So Who you got, uh, Georgia, who you got Georgia and Tennessee? You think any way that Tennessee gets, gets up for this game? Uh, 
I think I think so. I always think that a team that is at mildly good, you know, can can shock and, and try to again, like I said last week with Miami and Florida State, and it almost happened, but it's like you, you have a chance to uh hang your hat on some kind of rusty old nail on the board. And you know, Miami obviously had a pretty shitty mid half or middle part of the season here by dropping that Georgia Tech game. Who knows where they would be at if they would have won that. But you know, I I think anything's possible. And seven to three Tennessee, you still play for a New Year's Day bowl game if you stay within, you know, the top eleven, twelve. So uh something I'll definitely keep my eye on. So uh, we're about an hour right now. Let's take a second. I want to run some scenarios by you. First off, do you have your predictions for the college football playoff? I believe – I know I talked about it with Brad. I'm pretty sure we talked about it too. I don't quite remember. I'm pretty much locked in that my four are Michigan, Florida State, Georgia, Oregon. That's kind of how I see it playing out. I think Georgia runs the table, though they are – we'll talk about Bama in a minute. I think Georgia runs the table. I think Michigan runs the table. I think Florida State runs the table. And I think Oregon avenges their loss to Washington and is able to get in. Do you have predictions as it as it stands right now? Not really. Um, probably if, if Michigan beats Ohio State. I don't know. I, uh, I, I'm, I'm pretty, pretty much on point on par with you. I just think that, you know, whoever wins the PAC 12 is going to get in and, you know, um, whether that's Washington, Oregon will be remain to be seen, but I'm, I'm pretty much right there with you. But, um, I, I still, I, I still feel like Washington can pull it off, but they burned me last year when I got on their, uh, coattails. So, I'm looking at Joel Klatt's Twitter. I seen this earlier today. I'm going to read this to you. Hypothetical college football situation. College football playoff situation. You ready? Yeah. For the sake of argument, this is a Michigan pod. We're going to call it Michigan. 13 and 0 Big 10 champ, okay? 13 and 0 Florida State ACC champ. You would assume both of those teams would get in. Agree or disagree? ACC and Big Ten both undefeated? Yes. Correct. Okay. Here's where things get juicy. Oregon beats Washington. They are the Pac-12 champion. Texas runs the table, wins the Big Big 12, they are 12 and 1 with a conference championship. Bama upsets Georgia, goes 12 and 1, wins the SEC. Georgia loses to Bama, goes 12 and 1, losing the SEC. Washington goes 12 and 1, losing the Pack. Ohio State goes 11 and 1, does not play for a championship because that's against Michigan. Okay? Mm-hmm. Um the only weird things here of the this scenario that I'm giving you, Oregon would have beaten Washington and Washington would have beaten Oregon. Texas would have beaten Bama at Bama's place. Bama would have beaten Georgia. Georgia would have beaten literally nobody on this list. 
who gets in the last two spots if Michigan's 13 and 0 and Florida State's 13 and 0 with what I just told you? All I know is I don't think Georgia would be in it and I don't think Texas would be in it. One, you think they would give it to Oregon? Yes. I I think that um they use big the Big 12 as an escape goat and not high Maybe I could probably, you know, horribly wrong, but I think they probably wouldn't hold Big Twelve um, up to snuff, and I and I think they would use Georgia's uh, horrendous strength of schedule against them. So I told this to Brad last week when he, because he was very worried that a twelve and one Texas could be left out. And I told him that I 1000% agree because while the situation here that Joe Klatt spells out is a 13 and 0 big 10 champ, a 13 and 0 Florida state team. I've made this very clear. The big 10 and the sec are getting two teams in period. End of story. Don't try and argue it. It's happening. Okay. Where I think things get muddied and weird is if Bama upsets Georgia, do they try to put two SEC teams in? SEC teams in, okay? And if Oregon beats Washington, would that give them a reason to leave Oregon out or put them in? Right. In Texas, if they run, want, run the table, they would have beaten Bama. Do they get in or do they get left out? It's it's such a weird dynamic. You'd have to imagine Ohio State's just out at that point. You'd yeah. have to imagine Washington's probably out at that point. It's weird. It's yeah. just weird. Yeah. Because different scenarios, but Washington, in this scenario that I just gave, the exact same thing happened to TCU last year where they had ran the table but lost their last game. And they were awarded a playoff spot where Washington wouldn't be. Yeah. Wouldn't that be some shit? Yeah. <laughs> where yeah. Washington would literally say just last year this happened and you rewarded the team. Now, yeah. in this weird scenario, Washington would be losing to the team that's trying to get in. So it's just. Yeah. But I also propose this question because I think this is fair. Joe Klatt in that scenario basically says the loser of the Michigan-Ohio State game is out. But in our scenario, we have Michigan beating Ohio State. Would they drop Ohio State from one to five? I mean... They lose to Michigan on the road by three. Field goal. Walk-off field goal. Are they dropping from one to five? That would be. That'd be absurd. I, I wouldn't see that happening. But you can't put them in, though. I know. But, and they, they found a way last year. <laughs> it. I'm not even dissing Ohio State here. I'm saying you couldn't put them in based off of this year's this year's scenario where there's just so many teams that are either a still undefeated. Ohio State, Michigan, Georgia, Florida State, and Washington. There's five teams with two weeks to go that do not have a loss. 
Now, Michigan and Ohio State are going to eat each other. Everybody else could run the table, which at that point, it's just four, you're good. That would be what the committee wants, those four to just get in. But unfortunately, Texas fans are like, damn it. You know, um, Oregon fans, they, at that point, they would have already lost, so they're kind of out. Yeah. And then the loser of Michigan, Ohio State's kind of like, damn it. So, kind of weird. But um, anything else on college football playoff scenarios, likely things, what what you predict, anything like that? Not really, but uh, I don't know. We got one more minute until nine o'clock. Do you want to wait wait one more minute to see if they drop? Dude, I got all night. We yeah. can. We can talk about whatever the heck you want. I don't think they drop immediately at nine, but what uh, what's the score of Duke Michigan State right now? That basketball school. Um, let's see here. Shoot, they're playing right now, aren't they? Yeah, Duke Michigan State's right now. They were losing. Let's see. Right now it is 62, or excuse me, 65 Duke, 56 Michigan State. Three minutes to, <laughs> excuse me, three minutes to go. Yeah, uphill, uphill battle for them. Uphill battle for them. Um, there is this article on ESPN. And it says six scenarios the committee does not want. And I have a feeling the number one scenario is the one I just read off to you, which is what Joe Clatt proposed. Uh, and I truly wonder what that would look like. Because the committee, obviously, they've moved to a 12-team playoff, and we're all excited for it. And... Last year, we were kind of clamoring over it, but truly, we didn't need it. At the end of the day, I think they got their best four teams in, and it was all said and done. Yeah. yeah. This year, I truly believe there are eight teams that could win the national championship. And while I think Florida State could be had, and I think Washington could probably be had, the rest of these teams, I think, could go toe-to-toe with anybody and probably win it. Um, I don't love Ohio State, but to their credit, their two biggest tests – one was on the road. One was at home. They took care of both. Um, so. Yeah, not popping up right away yet, but. Yeah. Well, no big deal. Um, I would imagine that Michigan doesn't jump Ohio State. That would be a shock to me. And I think the committee is praying that Michigan loses a game so that they don't have to put them in. I think they would pray over that. Yeah. Uh, yeah. All four of them won. So I, w- I would expect them to just probably sit the same anyway. So. Well, Michigan is what three right now. Yeah. There's three and Georgia blew the doors off uh, the Southeastern conference Penn state. So. Yeah. Okay. Uh, are they announced? I think they might've just got announced. I just had the Bleacher Report thing come across my phone. Yeah, same. That's why I was just wondering. I think I think whoever runs that site, I think they're just they're live waiting for it. Oh, gotcha, 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 gotcha. Okay. Well, 
Um, what do you think about? Let's let's just talk more uh, more Michigan here. Harbaugh, America's team. <laughs> Opinions on that? I can't get behind it. I think it's corny as hell, to be honest with you. Um, a lot of a lot of America's is not rooting for Michigan, so to me, it just doesn't fit. Um, I would just be more willing to ride the whole villain train, to be honest. And uh, that's pretty much where I'm at with that. Yeah. Um, I got to be honest. I I think Jim Harbaugh is a very uh, he's a very interesting character. Yeah. And he's just not everybody's cup of coffee. And it's kind of for reasons like this, where I think Harbaugh is innocent. I really do. But calling yourself America's team with some cheating scandals is, is comical at best. And I, I thought it was funny, obviously. But it's just one of those things where Is Harbaugh just, like, playing with everybody at this point? Like, is he really just, like, I just don't give a shit? Right. You know what I mean? And it kind of makes you wonder, is is he just on the way out and just trying to play this puppy out and, and get this team to a natty slash get these players drafted and then he, he dips? or it, It's just an interesting dynamic. But... Yeah, I mean, I'm at a point now to like, I really don't know. I don't know if they're going to, if he is really truly gonna come back with an extension, or if he is just milking it and is gonna be gone. The uh, we're coming up to a crucial part of the year where not only are we playing November games, but you know, like I mentioned earlier, signing day is in February. It's not too far away, and early signing period I believe is is either in late December, early January. So. Um, you know, that recruiting class, they lost a lot of guys uh, over the summer. And so, you know, you got to know that, or you got to wonder that uh, that these these high school kids, these commits, you know, where the, what, where's their mindset? So it's just uh, a telling few uh, months ahead. Two more topics here. Um, first one. So, Brady Hoke, obviously things didn't exactly go um, like they like we wanted. Yeah. But I've said this a million and a half times about Brady Hoke and about Harbaugh. I am a sucker for anybody that wants to be the head coach of Michigan. Uh, Brady Hoke announced his retirement uh, from San Diego State opinions on Brady Hoke just as a coach and, and, you know, obviously kind of left a bad taste in our mouth. Uh, I don't remember really talking to you a ton about Brady Hoke. We've, we've, it's been a long time. What, what's your opinions on Brady Hoke today? Um, I really appreciate him with the whole 2011 season, you know, getting all those guys, all those fifth-year senior Lloyd Carr guys that were left over and those Rich Rod kids and got them to the Sugar Bowl to win. I thought that was pretty awesome. You know, that season, 
will always be, you know, highly regarded. Um, but it was just a fast, rapid decline after that. You know, 2012, you really, after being Ohio State, even though they were, you know, kind of reeling with an interim and everything like that, you know, it really felt like 2012 was going to be Michigan's year to take the step forward. And, you know, you had uh, Devin, or you had Devin Garner and Denard Robinson there. Um, you had a lot of seniors. You know, you had the game in Columbus at halftime. You pissed it away. You know, you, you you don't win the bowl game. There's just a lot of momentum, I felt, going from 2011 to 2012 that was lost. And then 2013, I mean, each week was an absolute battle. The defense was unreliable, yet they saved the day against Akron. You almost got beat by Akron at home. Um you know, the offensive line, again, is still gradually decreasing from being effective from 2011 to 2012 to 2013. So then 2014, you have a fifth, uh, fifth-year quarterback in Devin Gardner, five-star, has done all the things. And there's a, there's a zilch run game, and he is just taking a, a prison pounding every week, just getting sacked a bunch. And, you know, they go to East Lansing that year and have, like, negative – 60 rushing yards or something like that so yeah. like the, the uh then you had the whole shane morris uh concussion minnesota game it was just a lot to take in and um the rapid decline in the program obviously did not help and i never really liked al borges as an offensive coordinator i thought the dude you know had moments but i just thought he was just outdated and so again the program to me it was just we're not taking any steps forward. You just went from to the the mountaintop, I guess, if you want to call it that, and just straight down after that. But, you know, Brady Hook is a person. He's a great guy. I met him in person at, like, Fan Day and stuff like that. But <clears throat> wouldn't want him as my head coach again. That's all I got to say. Yeah, I, I think I mostly echo a lot of your sentiments. Um, the headset thing was always kind of annoying. Uh, but I, I did love that he wanted to be the head coach of Michigan. And, you know, the one thing that, you know, no matter how bad the teams were, he got the boys ready to play Ohio state, beat them one time. And as a three touchdown underdog, he had them with going for a two point conversion to try and get the win. So, um, if you can make urban Meyer damn near puke his guts out on the sideline, I have some respect for you, but I understand things didn't go great. Uh, second thing here, Chip Kelly, potentially on his way out of UCLA, fired. This field, really? that's the report. That is the report. Yeah. Yeah, on three, isn't that the the college thingamajiggy? Yeah. Yeah, uh, UCLA likely to fire head coach Chip Kelly after the UC uh, USC game. Oh, so they they oh we'll just give you one more. That's funny, isn't wow. that? I mean, here's the thing. I I feel like firing a head coach going into a new conference is kind of wild. Yeah. A. B, you just landed a five-star quarterback because of Chip Kelly. D, 
they were competitive. They lost to Oregon and they lost to Washington. Like teams they should have lost to. I think they may have lost to Utah, who was also really good. And this was one of the better years of the Pac-12. This was probably the best Pac-12 year, top to bottom of my life. Probably yours too. Um, yeah, I don't know. I just think that's kind of wild that, that actually ends up happening. Yeah. So if you go back to um, Chip Kelly was hired in 2018 after Jim Mora kind of faded away. If you guys remember Jim Mora, I believe he was a Falcons head coach for a while. Um, Jim Mora in 2012 goes nine and five. 10 and 3, 10 and 3, 8 and 5, 4 and 8, 5 and 6. They boot him in the middle of the season. Jed Fish, Michigan's one year rental of offensive coordinator in Michigan, is, uh, yeah, he takes over, goes 1 and 1 as an interim. They lose the Cactus Bowl. So Chip Kelly comes in 2018, goes 3 and 9, 4 and 8, 3 and 4. That was 2020. 8 and 4, 9 and 4, 6 and 4. So he's 6 and 4 right now. He's got a freshman quarterback. Last year when they won 9 and 4, they had Dorian Thompson Robinson, who um, played a pretty good preseason for the Browns, but um, I guess it's just more of the same. And maybe UCLA just wants to move on, and you know he's not Oregon Chip Kelly anymore. I I, I don't uh, I don't know. Yeah, I don't. I don't think he is Oregon Chip Kelly anymore. But I also think that that ship's kind of sailed. Right. So right. I don't. I don't know. But I'm looking for these rankings. They're still not up. So I guess we can just call her. Yeah, that's all right. All right. Well, I will, uh, I'll see you next time. Thanks for joining us, everybody. Obviously, uh, hope you enjoyed the show. We went really long on Penn State. We had a great time. Can't wait to do that again. And next week when we're talking, it's literally going to be the game. Yeah. Yeah. We have we have to uh, we have to put on a mailbag for sure for that one. Yeah, uh, kind of kind of wild. It's kind of wild. The season's just kind of happened already, and yeah. it's just been full of dark clouds. Dark clouds. So, all right. Till next time, we'll see you guys. Go blue. Deuces.